This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. Week 12 of the Four Horsemen Podcast. And this week, the Four Horsemen Podcast is brought to you by American Pistachio Growers. Because if you ain't nothing American, you ain't nothing. Let's hope that gets us a sponsorship there. I just made up the uh, tagline. Uh, so, what a week. What a week it was. Uh, we had some pretty controversial stuff going on in the uh, in the Twitter sphere, if you will. And uh, let's, let's start with that. I have an issue, guys. Fire away. Well, let me tell you, Steve, it's about you. During the game, someone named Steve... Put a video out, and Dylan, I'm sure you saw this as well, of him watching the game by candlelight like he was a fucking pioneer on the Oregon Trail. Candlelight. He had one candle, or maybe there was multiple candles. There was multiple candles. I can confirm multiple candles. Multiple candles and bottles of wine. He literally was watching the game by candlelight. It was Pinot Noir, if we're getting specific. And the most atrocious, not I won't say atrocious, but most startling, we'll use startling as a better word, was the fact that he did that some type of Fortnite dance as a goddamn millennial uh, after Notre Dame wrapped up 32 points in the first half. I was flossing the fuck out of that moment. It was, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm just going to be uh, upfront and honest here. M- moved in. Uh, Moved in with my my girlfriend. Um, we got a new place. We had some some friends over as a little housewarming, and you know, a couples date night. I guess you could say it. While I still got to watch my game, so I I feel zero percent guilt here. So, I watched my favorite team beat the living shit out of uh, forced sex university. So screw them, and. And I was able to show off my floss to the world, which we can tweet out from the main account. And uh, no, no one follows the main account. We'll have to tweet it from our own personals. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll work but on yeah, that. No, it was it was it was actually a very pleasant evening. And the fact that you know, after we uh, we blocked the uh, the t- their uh, their extra point. point brought that back Julian Love all the way to the uh, you know we got two points on our end. What would that make it like 19 to six? I was like, all right, yeah, this game's over. This is like, it was one of those very rare occasions where I can actually enjoy watching a game, not biting my fingernails into oblivion. Uh, I taught my cat how to do a high five this weekend. So we've all had a wild productive weekend. Uh, So there's that, but really moving forward, um, the real controversy on Twitter was that when Ian Book was declared out for the week, no one said, I am hearing terrible news coming out of Notre Dame. Which is what Barstool Chiefs said when we heard the whole rumor. Yeah, I wonder how the hell he ever got any information to tweet that out. That was just a missed opportunity on so many reporters' parts, and I really, I'm really kicking myself that I didn't do it as well. Nice to see. What, it's a nice deflection. Thank you. Anyway, <laughs> moving into uh, we are a rumor-free podcast. Uh, that repeat, rumor-free. 
Brought to you by American Pistachio Growers. Uh, let's get into the, the week at hand, the Florida State game. Uh, Dylan, I'll let you start. Hit us. Yeah, that was really good. Um, I watched two and a half quarters. I had something else to attend to afterwards, but thankfully it was definitely done by then. All right. What did you have to attend to? I had a family member come. I uh, was in the city, so I was going to go hang out because um, it's rare that I get to see any family members when I'm at school here. Oh, interesting. Okay, continue. So uh, I thought the game was great. I mean, Wimbush was terrible. I mean, good for him for doing well enough, but it wasn't a great performance. Um, but it was definitely good enough. I mean, we beat the living shit out of them. Um, the first pick to start the game was beautiful. Um, I thought it was really fun. I mean, I tweeted out that this would be revenge for getting screwed in 2014. That was one of the worst calls in history. Yeah, bad. and it's worse that like two years later, Clemson used that play. the national championship with the exact play. Yeah, and that's really that hurt. But I I also didn't care because they beat Alabama. But uh, yeah, no, I, I hate Florida State. They're by far the worst school in Florida. I will fight anyone on that. I don't think Miami is that bad. I kind of like them, but Florida State is just another level of shit. Um, so yeah, it was a big win, you know, game of the century. They wouldn't stop shutting up about it. Um, but yeah, good stuff overall. I watched the game of the century that morning. Uh, as you all know, I wake up, um, around 8am every Saturday morning and I tweet out something ridiculous about the other team. Uh, didn't get very many favorites on my two lawyers of controversial individuals tweet this week, but, um, we'll live past it. It was a Casey Anthony and George Zimmerman, uh, joke, but didn't really do well with the masses. And then I watched the entire uh, game of the century, which was more interesting than this game. Did you all know that OJ Simpson was a sideline reporter for NBC? Did you know OJ Simpson murdered someone? Allegedly. People he forget. He was proven innocent in court. But he was a sideline reporter. I thought that was super interesting. And um, really, my big takeaway from the game uh, was that the green jerseys didn't look terrible, but they definitely weren't great. So uh, that's really what I saw. I didn't really like the marshmallows that the seniors threw throughout the game because I kept thinking a flag was being thrown on the play, which gave me more anxiety than it should have. Isn't it so typical of NBC to hire a USC legend to do sideline reporting for Notre Dame? Especially in 1993. That's uh. It's definitely odd. I The one thing I don't understand about NBC, I do love them, the Notre Dame broadcast channel. Um, I, I don't get why they don't get Notre Dame people. <laughs> like They don't want to seem biased for some reason. That's bullshit. They should be as biased as they want to be. Uh, yeah, but instead we got Doug freaking Flutie. Hashtag shut up, Flutie. Um, last year. I think they're going to can him. Oh, thank God. I'd be so happy. Uh, that's So, really, you know, Florida State, Florida State, whatever. Um, some good, some bad, some ugly, but they got the job done. Uh, and that's kind of my takeaway. So, I really don't have anything else to say about the game. Steve? Yeah, I mean, just like I said, I, I had a pleasant watching experience of a Notre Dame football game. This has happened maybe seven times in the last decade and a half. So... This was the first game I truly watched alone. Like, no one in my house besides me and my cats. And I still ended up yelling at my TV when Wimbush threw the interception. 
And I thought my neighbors were just going to have to do a uh, wellness check on me, but they uh, they didn't. So, you know, good fences make good neighbors. Uh, we learned that. Hmm. So, yeah, uh, really, it's just an unremarkable game, but we'll get into the four horsemen right now. Um, Did want to make one comment, though, sure. very quickly. Green jerseys look 10 times better with gold uh, letters and numbers. I agree. Agreed. And the gold pants. No. Like I, I make it yeah, all. But, but that's the thing is like, what, sh- what else would they wear with the green jerseys though? It's just, I think the tint was wrong. Um, yeah. Or just like go full green, like do the Shamrock series and FM way, the green on green. What did they wear in the Bush push game in 06? It was green with gold letters and then gold pants, right? Uh, it was green with gold letters, but it was more of a forest green. If we're going to go into Darren Ravel. Yeah. Uh, not the uh, Kelly green. It was more of a Kelly green, if you will. I made it yeah, on Kelly greens, but that's just me. Yeah. All right. Well, on to the, the four horsemen. Patty, take it away. All right. I'm going to let, again, you know, Dylan, I'm giving you the uh, the priority tonight, you know, because you're the uh, the only one with his camera on. So I, I want to hear your four first. It's hilarious because I'm completely unprepared and looking at the stats right now. All right. I'll go. <laughs> this is how we do it. And uh, just to clarify, um, they did wear a lighter uh, gold pant in the Bush Push game, uh, but the jerseys were those Adidas dope uh, forest green jerseys. Uh, so moving on, my four horsemen, um, I only have three uh, just because I didn't really want to do a fourth. Uh, so my uh, one of my horsemen is Dexter Williams, 202 yards, two touchdowns, throwing up the two as he was running into the end zone. Uh, he is just a man amongst boys, and I love him. So he he plays so well, and his cuts are just so quick. It it was phenomenal. And I guess the other horsemen I would give to the offensive line, they played their ass off. They didn't really play bad against a top rated run defense. However, you may describe that with Florida State, but um, I thought it was an all all around good game for Williams and his offensive line. Uh, my next one is Chris Fink. Uh, he uh, was the leading receiver of the game, not in touchdowns but in yards. Uh, so, really, with him, uh, found out he had a bird. Not really sure how I feel about that. It's probably going to hamper him living with me when he becomes a New England Patriot. Uh, but that's a bridge I'll cross after. <laughs> Um, so well, I guess that's a form of racism right there, by the way, that we call the New England Patriot. <laughs> Probably. Um, but that, that's okay. And, uh, then other than that, um, I do have one surprise one. Um, I'm Steve, I'm really, you do your two and then I'll get to my surprise one. This is, I want to leave everyone on a cliffhanger here. Okay. I'll be quick about mine because quite frankly, we, didn't have that many. It was just such a great team effort. There really wasn't that many stars. Uh, number four, um, I'm going to go with someone who I've been dying to put on into the uh, into the four horsemen. Uh, finally, Alizé Jones. Uh, three receptions for 29 yards, but he did have two touchdown catches. Deadly red zone target. I've been saying his name all year. I've been wanting him to break out. He's had some injury issues, and then... He also had Brandon Wimbush throwing to him, which is a freaking atrocity. But and um, um, me calling Chris Fink is a Patriots a racist. You call him Alize Jones. Uh, it's Alize Mack. Alize Jones is a rapper. 
I'm looking at the stat sheet. It says A. Jones. I literally forgot that he changed it to Mac. All good. Continue. All right. Well, that was a little bit of a joke there. Ton cheat joke. Continue. Dick. <laughs> anyway, um, third horseman. I'm just gonna go with Drew Tranquil because he managed to have a half sack, five tackles. Um, you know, two two assisted tackles. The fact that he's doing it two weeks after a high ankle sprain, like Jesus Christ, this guy's an animal. Uh, the number two gonna obviously go with Dexter. We obviously know the stat line. He's incredible. Over you know two hundred and two um, on his two rushing touchdowns. I don't know if he is just so deceptively fast, or like you mentioned, his cuts were so great. I mean, the the line definitely opened up some holes for him to run through. Um, but both times it looks like the it looked like the safeties had no idea how to get a read on him, and that's why he just literally just boom down the field straight up the middle touchdown. So um, he is absolutely a, a stud. Um, it sucks that we only get really one full year with him, but best of luck in the NFL next year. And the number one star, I think, easily the most deserving, who had one of the most gorgeous two-yard runs in the history of football. I... I am head over heels smitten. I am in love. And I, I, I want to shout it from the mountaintops how happy I am to name this week's number one horseman, Phil Jerkovic. I think he absolutely deserved the number one horseman. He, it, it's the, the galloping speed that he had. I had a chubby. He, he took command of that fourth quarter. Just just run, handing the ball off and, and then running that one play. Oof. I, I loved every minute of it as well. He's the future. <laughs> Dylan hates us. <laughs> Dylan absolutely hates our love for Phil Dracovic. He won't in two about. years when he leads us to a national title. What are you talking about? I've been Phil as our savior since before the season started. I just think you two are ridiculous to put him into your four horsemen. Did you see his run? <laughs> or his lack of an interception that he threw. Mm, that's a tough one, yeah. So, Dylan, hit me with your four. Well, I know I said Brandon Wimbush sucked, but he's actually my fourth horseman um, because he had to overcome a lot. He was the backup forever. He didn't bitch about anything. And he had a decent enough game, right? He threw for three touchdowns. He ran around. I mean, he can't pass effectively or efficiently, but he did well enough. Um, yeah, overall, I thought he was the fourth horseman. Um, I know we give him flack, but, you know, he's a trooper. Hope he does well next year. Um, then third, I went with Alizé Mack, um, two TDs. I thought he was pretty good. Uh, finally showed up in, in games because we've been waiting for that potential forever. Um, and then I went Aloe Gilman, number two. He was all over the place, lots of tackles, tackle for loss, blast deflection. I think he got a quarterback hurry as well. Um, pretty good for him overall. I know you love him, Pete. Um, and then finally, I went with uh, Dexter Williams. The run game was fantastic, over 200 yards. What more needs to be said? That guy's a monster, and he's going to carry us into the playoff. And my final horseman, Mike Tarica. For what? The Italian Stallion. The Italian Stallion. He defended. I know you you weren't watching the game at this point, but he defended the idiotic rhetoric that an undefeated Notre Dame would be left out of the college football playoff. And he really, he went in 
on the people saying that, you know, a one loss Michigan could get in over uh, an undefeated Notre Dame. And it really showed, I won't say homerism, but at the same time, he definitely, he, he, you can tell he's kind of fed up with Flutie as well. He was giving Dud shit and he, he wore this get up in South Bend when they brought that, when they went over to him when the game was all over. He looked like, like one of those guys you see sitting outside of an old Italian barbershop just talking about stuff with his hat on. It was just a phenomenal sight. And he just defended Notre Dame, and I really liked him for the first time this year. Did did he like kind of directly or even indirectly call out Kirk Herbstreet? Because like I love Kirk Herbstreet. I think he's great. But over the past about three to four weeks, like I want to just – rip right in the face he didn't say anything by name but he definitely uh he called out the people who had to be called out i've always liked mike tarico i thought he was fine i don't know why people give him shit i think he's great also he is italian just a fun fact negative wow. points then oh wow okay all right uh so those are four horses for the week myself uh, we are going to move on to our new favorite topic, the topic that is taking the world by storm, a North American sensation, ask a Canadian. Dylan, are you ready? I guess. We've learned about beaches. We've learned about government. We've learned about the socioeconomic policies of Canada. So I don't, I don't think we got that far. Well, just you wait. We got a couple more weeks of the season. Um, I'm quizzing so, you guys soon, by the way. I'm preparing my questions, and you guys are going to have a competition. Oh, we're we're done. Um, I also learned the national uh, animals of beaver. Uh, so this week, I only got one, actually two. I'm going to ask you two. What do you do about all those goddamn moose? Did we ever establish if it was moose or meese? It's moose. Don't be illiterate. It's technically moose, but I support the saying of meese. So, in America, in America proper, America, I'm, my my America, we have deer who roam freely. Yeah, on highways and they get hit <laughs> and all that shit. Yeah. Now, is that the same problem in Canada? Do you just wake up one day and you see a moose in your backyard, or like what? What's the deal with that? I don't know if to play along with the stereotype and like act like. No, this is like a serious question, Dylan. I, um, where are the moose? I'm. I just need to know this. Moose are a little less common to see. Um, they are hunted, and you can't eat their meat. Um, okay. They're supposed to be very good. I've eaten moose meat before. It's, it's not bad. Had it in a jerky form. Okay. Company. If you ain't getting jerky in America, you ain't jerking American. Uh, yeah, that that's the same. All right, continue. Uh, so, so moose aren't common in cities. Well, no, definitely not. Um, you can see them on the highways, um, especially in New Brunswick. You'd get them at night. You had to look out for them. Okay. Uh, deer do come into the town, especially in Alberta. Uh, at least in our town, deer are everywhere. Um, yeah, moose are definitely less common to see. Uh, you got to watch out for them on the roads. We usually have signs that says "Watch out for moose" in areas where we know there are moose. Or okay. Um, and that's, yeah, that's pretty much my answer for you. I'm not a moose expert, though. Now, Ask a Canadian is not meant to be stereotypical. This is meant to be an informative segment to teach me about Canada because I'm an ignorant American who's never been further than Colorado. Shocker. Right? I played a national championship game there. Uh, anyway, my second question, uh, while Steve is away from his computer, 
No, I'm here. Uh, just my girlfriend's listening to Netflix, and now we're in a loft, so I don't want the echo to pick up. Ah, okay. Um, in terms of your fast food choices, yes, I understand that we've already spoken about how much more expensive it is in yes, I don't even talk about that. Do you have Chinese food restaurants? Oh yes, absolutely. Um, every town, city's probably got a bunch, and it was a bunch in Ottawa. Um, even small towns where I grew up, there's definitely a Chinese place nearby. Are they Chinese serving the Chinese food? They're American Chinese, where you have chicken balls and egg rolls, and definitely not actual Chinese food. Although the, those exist as well. Okay, so that, that's good to know. that that was actually a legitimate question I was thinking of as I was eating my crab rangoon today. Um, so okay, those are my asking questions. We're gonna stick with um, we're gonna stick with food. I really need to understand what is the obsession with Tim Hortons. I was thinking about that too today, Steve. Oh boy, I don't know if I have enough time to explain that. Now, <laughs> Tim Hortons is that more like a Dunkin' Donuts or yeah. is that more like a Honeydew? No, it's Dunkin' Donuts. He has no idea what Honeydew is. Honeydew thoughts. It is Honeydew is phenomenal. I actually live right down from the headquarters of Honeydew, and. I'm going on a little rant here. Dylan, if you're ever in Massachusetts, you go to Honeydew and you buy a breakfast sandwich. The breakfast sandwiches are $3 American. And the coffee is delicious. They always have some type of attractive woman serving you the food. And the one by the headquarters where I am, whew, I go there for the breakfast and the conversation. Continue about Tim Hortons. So... <laughs> Tim Hortons is a very hot topic among Canadians because half of us, I would say, love it religiously and the other half hate it. Um, the problem or the thing with Tim Hortons is they have portrayed themselves as a Canadian symbol, which is why you guys probably think we're obsessed with it. Um, it it's marketed itself on being Canadian and what it means to be Canadian is to get Tim's, get a coffee, double-double, kind of our lingo, the way we talk. Um I think Tim's is super accessible. I know in small towns, especially small town I grew up in, that's the hub of the town. Um, it's really all over the place. It's fairly cheap coffee, hot chocolate. It's like, it's got all your stuff you need, you know, food. I think the obsession with it comes from like buying into this Tim Hortons is Canadian and Canada is Tim Hortons thing. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot of it wherever you go. And I think it, I kind of compare it to like Dunkin' Donuts in Massachusetts. Whenever I was in Boston when I was 10, that's all I remember seeing was fucking Dunkin' Donuts everywhere. Hmm. All right. Well, <clears throat> okay. Fair enough. Um, and then the second question I had, I want to try to pronounce this correctly. It is a territory. I, it might be a state. Do you guys have states? Is it region? Uh, province? Provinces and territories. Okay, so this will probably be a territory because province is for Quebec, which is French. Um, what is Nunavut? And does anybody actually live there? Like, is the population higher than 1,000? Um, well, actually... Uh my girlfriend has been up there. Uh, there's definitely people up there. It's it's a territory. It's pronounced none of it. So you no, can, that's what I said. I'm having none of it. Um, 
yes, its main city is Iqaluit. I think there's a few thousand people there. Um, not many. Um, they are predominantly Inuit people, so First Nations that were moved up north. Um, yeah, it's it's a territory. Definitely people there. Um, Actually, a lot of people. 35,944 people as of 2016. There you go. So oh, yeah, it, 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 That's about 35,000 people more than I expected. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's harsher living conditions because it's a lot colder and you get a lot less daylight. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's part of our Arctic sovereignty, um, getting people up there, which is a very yeah. controversial yeah. political thing that happened. Um, although there are other Northern territories to the West of it. Um, but yeah, it's relatively newly adopted too. Um, I think it became an official territory not that long ago. 1999. Yeah. Just uh, real quick. I'm on their Wikipedia. Their GDP back in 2011 was $1.9 billion. That's wild. The fuck right. are they selling? Probably um, whale blubber. Um, yeah. I'm not it next. is on Hudson Bay, which, by the way, Hudson Bay looks absolutely lit. Like, the, Is there like a lot of awesome things going on around there? Like, Can you wakeboard? I couldn't tell you. I don't know. We have a store called the Hudson Bay, which is a store. Um, that's as much as I know about it. This Inuit drum dancing looks lit. Hmm. Yeah. They have their own broadcasting company. Oh, maybe you know, we'll get... you're, you're telling me all this new information. I'm not too familiar with um, the territories that much. Well, we are learning. Oh, but they are. They have a highly regulated alcohol market. Yes, it's the last outpost of prohibition in Canada, and it's often easier to obtain firearms than alcohol. Yes, there is, from what I've read or heard, um, some addiction problems, I think, with alcohol, which is why it's prohibited. I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. A lot of the, um, a lot of, well, we're, we're not going to get into addiction yeah, problems on this show. But anyway, we're, we talked about football. Um, also, they have a narwhal on their coat of arms and a, a moose. It looks like they're kind of doing some something dirty to the coat of arms. So we're going to continue on if everyone wants to look up. Yeah, that was Ask a Canadian. I think it was quite informative. Everyone um, look up the none of it coat of arms and Jesus fucking Christ. All right. Uh, we are on to <laughs> I'm taking a back right now, to be honest with you, and I don't mean to be, but oh my God, that, that was dirty. Uh, <laughs> Uh, for any of our listeners in none of it, uh, we do love you. Uh, please let us know what you think of our coat of arms uh, in America. Uh, so moving on, Syracuse. Big game, Shamrock Series. They're wearing the pinstripes in Yankee Stadium. Uh, real big game for Steve and I, as we will both be there. Will we big see if true? Not sure. I'll be with my grandpa. Uh, kind of cool. He brought me to my first game. I'm bringing him to this one. So it's like a nice little like full circle, like life changes and here's Simba, like this is all yours now type of thing um, without the will to be uh, trampling anyone. So uh, Syracuse, number 12, we all know, we've heard the rhetoric about them. They've beaten 50-point games, all that shit. Uh, and they have an offense that can score points. So let's get into a little breakdown about Syracuse and what our thoughts are. Who wants to start? Dill, as always. Sure. Um, Syracuse is 
what, eight and two because they've played nobody. They've beaten up on shitty ACC teams. Um, and whenever they've come across good teams, they've lost. Uh, just look at who they've lost to. Uh, Clemson, although that was a close game. Uh, and then was it North Carolina State or who else? Did, or Pitt. They lost to Pitt. They lost to Pitt. Back-to-back weeks. Yeah. I did uh, hear stats um, that I don't know which ranking. It could have been one of the computer ones. But they are 1-2 against top 75 teams in college football. They have played nobody. They're a joke. And they're completely overhyped because they've beaten up on poor teams. And, in fact, going 8-2 and two with their schedule is probably disappointing. So we're going to beat them. We're going to beat them well. We're going to beat them hard. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's my opinion on it. All right. Um, Steve, what do you got? Yeah, just looking at the stat lines from that game. Um, I must say it's somewhat impressive that they only gave up one sack to the Clemson defensive line, which is a top five line in the nation, arguably number one. Notre Dame statistically is also has a top five nation uh, in, in the nation in terms of their defensive line. Uh, but yeah, I mean, their, their star QB was this kid Dungy. Yep. Um, didn't throw a touchdown, had one interception threw the ball 41 times. Uh, you know, and, and only had 251, uh, 250 yards. So, um, and they literally cannot run the football from what I see. So they're just, it looks like they're just an air raid team. And we have a ferocious front seven that pins their ears back. Um, and, and specifically, you know, Dalen Hayes over the last two weeks, I think has played really, really well. And it feels like what with our defense, the thing with 2012 was it, it, it was like I Williams, um and Stefan to it and they just had to like play phenomenally like every single game and they're like if one of them went down that was it we were screwed whereas it feels like this year um you know if if one guy isn't picking up the slack or if, if he's having an off day or if there's an injury or for any reason one guy is not you know you know let's say Khalid Kareem isn't playing his game it feels like we have so much more talent with Aquara and and Hayes and and even Kurt Heinish has like contributed in a, f- a few key spots and w- there's just so much more depth there and I think we're really going to pin our ears back. We know they're not going to be able to run on us. Um, hopefully Drew's ankle is is really really healthy by this point, um, so that way he can you know m- move. N- he, we know he can move north and south. Let's hope he can get east and west and keep up with the air raid offense. But I don't. I'm obviously very scared. Uh, I'm very skeptical because I will personally be in the house on the 50 yard line, which means that something can and potentially will go catastrophically wrong. (laughs) But we're only a couple sections away from each other for this game. So yeah, I I expect to look up at one point and see, make eye contact with you from across the, uh, across the way. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I mean, all things considered, on paper, if this game is played on paper, Notre Dame is absolutely in a great position to make a statement win against a top 15 team. But the game isn't played on paper, and I am bringing all of the bad juju, so I preemptively apologize. Now, that's those are all my thoughts. We'll get into some predictions in a little bit, but uh, I was reading a reporter for Syracuse, and he said, the best news is that Ian Book is starting that quarterback and not Brandon Wimbush. 
And that discredited any thought I had about Syracuse being a legitimate team. Uh, they, they literally said that Brandon Wimbush would have been a scarier threat at quarterback than the, Eames. Than the most efficient quarterback in the nation. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. So it, it's just ridiculous. They're saying that their passing defense is strong. You know, let them be strong. Let Ian Book run the read option against them. I want to see him run for a couple touchdowns. And then Dexter Fuck it, start Djokovic. Let's go. Dexter Williams might actually have 300 yards of rushing this game. So they can't, they can't defend the run well. They're not a good team. And everyone's saying, oh, upset special. Notre Dame's going to lose this game. With all due respect to Big Cat and PFT and part of my take, that bullshit rhetoric that they had the other day that Notre Dame is going to lose to Syracuse because Eric Dungey can throw the ball. They haven't played a legitimate defense all year. Yeah, we're all a good pass too. So, you know, I, I I'm tired of the national media giving all this shit about Notre Dame to about everything that Notre Dame isn't good, that they're not getting better, and that Michigan's on this bullshit revenge tour. So I'm I'm just I'm frustrated with the national media right now. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the college football playoff. I think the Syracuse game. I didn't do too much reading into the Syracuse team uh, because I'm not worried. But um, we're actually going to have uh, our me and Steve there at the game. Uh, so on Twitter, Dylan's really going to have to hold it down for us. Uh, I will not be tweeting for the game. Sorry to all my loyal uh, fans who follow my instant reactions and gifts and that I hate life sometimes. But uh, next week we'll have on a special guest who was also at the game to get her thoughts about Notre Dame football. Uh, that would be uh, KK, Catherine, Marie, a lot of different letters in there. She's one of the more loyal Notre Dame followers on Twitter, uh, super Irish. I met her last year kind of at the Boston College game when I complimented her bucket hat. So she'll be on next week to talk about uh, what her thoughts were for the game. And, uh, you know, other than that, I'm thinking Irish. Uh, the spread's nine right now. I'm saying Irish by 18. Uh, final score, we will go. This is going to require me to do some math on the fly here. Not really good at that. Notre Dame 42, Syracuse 24. All right. Um, Dill. Yeah, um, yeah, those are my thoughts pretty much. I'm um, going to be a blowout, I think. I tried to tell everybody that Northwestern was the much scarier team. Um, in fact, I think USC might be a better team. I'm really not convinced by Syracuse at all. Um, they haven't played anyone good, really. Um, I mean, Clemson aside. Um, I don't, I'm not really convinced by anything. I think we have a very good defense, a very good run defense, a very good pass defense. We get at the quarterback, and then – Offensively, we're we're a monster with with Book and uh, and Williams there. So, I'm going to predict. Uh, I like I like your score there. I'm going to say 45-24. All right, Steve. Do you do you really want to know my prediction? We we have to give it every week. Well, I'm going to keep the ball rolling. And so far in this year, I've been what zero for nine with predictions. And I, I would like to go 0 for 10. So my prediction is Irish 0, Syracuse 100. All right. Uh, finally, we'll get into this real quick. It's going to kind of bring itself to life more next week after Alabama plays the Citadel. Um, powerhouse. Powerhouse Citadel. Really, the college football playoff not changed at all this week. Top 10 still the top 10. 
Um, so we had Bama one, Clemson two, Notre Dame three, Michigan four, Georgia, Oklahoma round out the top uh, top six. Uh, so with that, uh, we know what our thoughts are right now, and the, the teams are what the teams are. But looking at the Week 12 opponents, come on. <laughs> Citadel, 4-5. and five. Duke, 7-3. and Hughes is 8-2. and two. Indiana, who Michigan plays, is 5-5. Five and five. UMass is 4-7. and seven. Kansas, who Oklahoma plays, is 3-7. and seven. LSU has Rice, who is 1-10. Washington State, 5-5. Five and five. West Virginia playing a 5-5 five and five Oklahoma State. Ohio State playing a 5-5 five and five Maryland. And UCF playing a nine and one Cincinnati, like the only two legitimate games on that whole calendar, from what I can see, are the Syracuse game and the UCF game, which is the game day uh, pick that they went to. So, c- come on, SEC schedule actual opponents in Week Twelve. It's bullshit. Thoughts? I'm honestly absolutely baffled that Kansas has won three football games. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> I'm surprised that West Virginia is behind Oklahoma in the rankings because West Virginia beat Texas, if I remember correctly, and Oklahoma didn't. People don't forget. Now, I know, Dylan, you're kind of the college football playoff master, and that's how our friendship began with you being Rain Man for us. Um, Looking at this, does Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan, is that going to be the final four? No. Why? Death. And Ohio State beating Michigan. All right, so Ohio State <laughs> beats Michigan. We assume that Michigan gets knocked out of the top four, correct? And isn't that game at noon in Columbus? Correct. Yeah, they always play an afternoon game because nobody gives a shit about those two programs outside of those two states. Fair. All right. Um, so Michigan gets knocked out. Who who moves into that fourth spot? Um, I, that's a really tough one. Um, if we're going to assume Oklahoma wins out. I would like for it to be Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, it could be Ohio State, right, because they've beaten Michigan in this scenario. Well, it's probably going to be the winner of the Big 12, though. It, it, uh, I mean, I, I guess it's going to come down to, I guess, Ohio State and the winner of the Big 12 because both West Virginia, obviously, and OU are ranked in the top 10 or even top 8. So if uh, if they meet, in the uh, the conference title game, and West Virginia wins, that I feel like West Virginia definitely has a great case to get in. And if Oklahoma wins, um, then then yeah, I mean it's it's their resume versus Ohio State's, and I think both are pre- for the most part pretty similar. Yeah, well that that's the thing. Oklahoma and West Virginia play last game of the season, and then they'll play again likely in the title game. Ooh, that's very that is a very interesting sentiment there. If they split. You almost have to give credence to almost another team, right? Well, yeah. it, it will absolutely be the Big Ten team then. Yeah, it, it will be unless Northwestern pulls off an upset too. But uh, I personally, I think Ohio State would have a better resume than Oklahoma, but I'd rather Oklahoma get in. Um, just because I'm not really impressed with Oklahoma's resume thus far, despite the fact that I really like their team and I like their program. Um, but yeah, it's it seems to be between the Big 12 and the Big Ten to get that last spot. The only scenario that fucks it up is if Alabama loses to Georgia. I mean, I I don't want to pull for Alabama. I do think Auburn has a team. They put out 22 guys on offense and defense every week. Um, but Alabama-Auburn, that is always the Iron Bowl. If 
Alabama loses to Auburn and then to Georgia, They're that in. would be a wild time in college football. Yeah, Two-loss team is not getting in this year. I think it will one year. Absolutely. Nick. Actually, the reason I said that, there is a way for a two-loss team to get in. I did some number crunching today at work during my lunch break. Ready? Texas can get into the playoff. That would be absolutely bananas. Ready for this, Dylan? Yeah. Uh, are we listening? If Texas beats Iowa State, Kansas, and West Virginia in the Bid 12 title game. So that's assuming that they get into the Bid 12 title game. That means uh, Oklahoma would have to lose to West Virginia. Some weird things would have to happen for Texas to get in. So that's a big assumption there. Notre Dame would have to beat Boston College. I'm sorry, Notre Dame or Boston College would have to beat Syracuse. That's going to happen this week. Michigan would have to beat Ohio State and then lose to Northwestern. Georgia would have to lose to Georgia Tech and Alabama. Oklahoma loses to West Virginia and Kansas. Washington State loses at least one. Well, you just that's you, you do. You just blew past the station on that one. Let's go in reverse. Oklahoma has to lose to West Virginia. Okay, like hope that happens. Country roads. Let's go. Uh, and whom's and Kansas. Okay. Okay. I'm not done here. Washington State would have to lose at least one of his last two games or lose the Pac-12. LSU would have to lose another game to A&M. And then UCF would just get fucked out of the picture, as they always do, because they didn't play anybody. So there is a .00001 chance that Texas actually gets into the playoff. I have more luck going out to none of it and becoming mayor there and Texas get him in, but there's a chance. Yeah, well, last year when I said how a two-loss Notre Dame team could get in, it was actually easier than that. It was it just required some good teams to beat some other good teams, which totally. didn't happen. But the way you're portraying it, totally possible, but pretty unlikely, um, which is why I say it's going to be pretty much a one-loss team at worst getting in. Like, that's the lowest you'll see. Um. Yeah, I think we're pretty set on the top three. I don't see Alabama losing. I don't see Clemson losing, and I don't see Notre Dame losing. So it'll be a bloodbath for the end. Someone's going to bitch and want the playoff to be expanded. That's the way it's going to be. Um, I did put out on Twitter for those listening. Um, At Dylan Dylan 97. Yep, a way in which a one-loss Notre Dame gets in. Because we have thought all year that there is no way a one-loss Notre Dame gets in. But they can, actually. Um, it, it's actually not that hard either. They need Oklahoma and West Virginia to split, so a two-loss Big 12 championship, and then Alabama to beat Georgia. Because That's then, it? That, yep. It's Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and the Big 12. Or Big 10, sorry. So now, in, in that scenario, would you rank, would you rank a one-loss Big 10 champ over ND? Well, that's the debate. If it's Michigan... They will, but they shouldn't because I think if the losses are the same, it got it has to go to head to head. So I would have Notre Dame ahead of Michigan. They probably won't. Um, if it's Ohio State, it's definitely Ohio State three. Um, and even then, I said you don't need Oklahoma to, and T's in West Virginia, sorry, to lose twice because Notre Dame. If it comes down to Notre Dame and Michigan, it should be Notre Dame. Uh, hmm. But we'll just pretend that scenario is too hypothetical and not enough for us to feel comfortable you need yeah uh, two lost big 12 champ 
Georgia out of the picture because then your only other one lost team would be Washington State. And Washington State lost to Stanford. Notre Dame beat Stanford. And Washington State is overrated. Yeah, they're, they're not going to stay one loss either. So really, um, if we do drop a game, yikes. But it's not the end of the world. Has anyone had a bigger fall from grace than Bryce Love? I mean, we can talk about this during our college football playoff show. But um, Jesus, he, he fell off the face of the earth right quick. Uh, poor Bryce. Uh, but anyway, um, CFP predictions. If the season ended today, who's your top four? After this weekend, uh, I'll, um, Steve, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Which one of us did you point to? Um, he just pointed to the screen. I pointed to, it out. <laughs> I pointed to someone that's not me to talk because I have talked for a little bit. Oh, right, well, yeah, Steve, you go. Haha, <laughs> beat you to it. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, let's just go with uh, top four Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame. I I just feel like it eventually has to happen. Like Jim Harborough has to has to win a game against Ohio State. It has to happen, especially this year with all the distractions with Dwayne Haskins like being good, not great. I think I think this is finally the year he bucks the trend, and I think this is finally the year that Michigan gets in, which will be exciting to see them get the ship kicked out of them by Alabama. I think the question was if it ended today, like what's your top four right After now? After this weekend. So if it ends Sunday. So what's same, same logic applies. I would, uh, I would say almost the same. Top three is obviously the top three. Then I would love to see... Sorry for the pause there. I'm gonna say West Virginia. I'm I love West Virginia, so I'm a big Danon Holgerson fan. Will Greer did nothing wrong. He took a little Ladandrol, whatever. Um, I I think they have the capability of scoring points. And I was telling my grandpa this today. Whoever Alabama plays in the uh, semifinal, they're gonna cannibalize each other. So and I think Notre Dame can beat uh, Clemson because Trevor Lawrence is an overrated quarterback and Clemson um, not that good. They're good, but not great. He wasn't the best QB signing in that class. Hashtag for Djokovic. Fail Djokovic. Uh, <laughs> so with that, um, I, I do definitely think West Virginia, after watching that game against Oklahoma State, West Virginia has a much better chance of beating Alabama or at least hurting Alabama enough to have them hobbling into the, the national title game? Um, well, the question is top four right now. I have it, like I posted every week, I have it Alabama. I finally put Clemson ahead of Notre Dame because they have more ranked wins. Although if we beat Syracuse, they'll switch again because Notre Dame will have a better resume. But I got Clemson two, Notre Dame three. And I have Georgia over Michigan um, as of now because Georgia has a better strength of record. Um, and I'm also a little more impressed with Georgia's overall um, schedule, I, I suppose. Um, so that's my four right now. But if you're asking what my four is going to be by the end of the season or who I think is going to be in the playoff or who I'd like to see, yeah, um, it's Alabama's going to be one, some combination of Notre Dame, Clemson, two, three. It will be Clemson, two, and us, three, although it should probably be the other way. 
And then four, I want to see, and I think we'll see, Oklahoma because they are a damn good team. Lincoln Riley is a damn good coach who will be the future coach of the Dallas Cowboys in exactly one year or less than that. As uh, first reported on the Four Horsemen podcast. Yeah. Horseman pod. He's a, he's a Dallas Cowboy coach for sure, but they got a great offense. I think the way to beat Alabama is not a defensive game because we see it every fucking year with LSU that they just can't score on them. It becomes a blowout every time. And I don't think Michigan, a lot of people think Michigan could beat them. I really don't think so. I think the way to beat Alabama is to get them in a shootout. And I think Oklahoma is the best way to do that. Sure, they could lose by a million because of that defense they have. But I could also see a 55-48 game. Yeah, I mean, remember the Johnny football years when he was uh, beaten up on Alabama. And I believe when Clemson beat Alabama in the title game, that was also a pretty high-scoring game. So give me Oklahoma in the four seed. I want to see it, and I think we will see it because as much as you guys like West Virginia, and as great as Will Greer is, um, I just think Oklahoma's offense is on another level, and I think they're going to pull through. Awesome. So uh, that's this week. I think we had a pretty good pretty good conversation, 45 minutes. Um, other than that, I'm ready to be going down to Notre Dame, watching the pinstripes uh, one more time, at least a winning team this year. Uh, on Yankee Stadium's field, yeah, get it, Dylan. That's a baseball joke, and um, I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready for the Irish. I uh, want to just give one last shout out to uh, Chirpy the Bird. Uh, he's 15 as of January 23rd. Uh, 16th birthday is coming up, so he can start driving the car. Shout out Chirpy Fink, uh, Chris. You can still live with me. We'll deal with the bird later. Uh, <laughs> this has been the Four Horsemen podcast. Uh, be sure to subscribe, like, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and give us a five-star review. Uh, thank you from the absolute bottom of my heart to the 30 listeners we get per week. Uh, I don't know who you are, uh, but it really does mean a lot that we sit here every day and we talk to all of you about uh, just just Notre Dame. Engage with us on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. interact with us. Ask us questions. At, at P. at Steve Campy, at Dilly Dilly. 97. 97. Yeah. So, uh, and if Joe, if you're out there, we miss you. Come back home. Uh, even though you're probably not lost, you just left Twitter. Uh, so that's this week. Uh, follow us on Twitter. We'll talk to y'all soon. Go Irish. Beat the orange. Go Irish. Go Irish. <laughs>